So it's been a while since we've had a good, hot, controversial topic to discuss here in Kailo. So before I uh, jump in, first a uh, bit of an introduction and a few disclaimers, etc. Right. So by way of background, <clears throat> about a week and a half ago, one of the moistus here in the community, in Chabad, that's involved in creating what you could call Torah-based content, uh, uploaded a video to their YouTube channel, which featured a woman, shlucha, teacher, etc., who was speaking about the fact that she is what's called, what she calls, a yoetzet halacha. She explained in her own words what that is. She addressed arguments that are made against this phenomenon, and she explained her position, how she thinks about it. And as soon as I heard about it, like I said, already a week and a half ago, I, uh, as it happens, I actually went to listen to the whole thing because it's the kind of topic that I'm interested in hearing about. Now, without any inside information, I'm assuming that that, Moisid, that organization, which focuses mainly on a crowd outside our community, uh, we're probably just looking for content that would be interesting, that would speak to that type of crowd and that's the kind of thing this is. I assume there's not uh, much more to it. But about three days ago, this video was then posted on a certain well-known Chabad website, which is also known for having many detractors, many enemies, etc. I don't know if there's a connection between the Maisa that uploaded it and whether they sent it to the website to post or whether the website came across it uh, themselves organically and just decided that this is a, a fun topic to post about. It's possible that it was the latter. This, of course, created much more buzz surrounding the topic and even started hearing uh, the topic come up here in Kyle. And in fact, by uh, two days ago, around the afternoon, before further developments, I actually started thinking that, hey, maybe this is an, an example of a hot topic that would be interesting to talk about, to discuss here in Kail and Ashir. And then the news dropped a few hours later that evening that there's a very sharp letter that was issued by the Rabban Karn Heights against the whole thing. And subsequently, the video was taken down, the post was taken down, etc. Again, without inside information, I'm going to speculate based on the chronology of events and based on the language in the letter, that the fact that there's such a sharp letter is probably triggered more by the post on the website, more than perhaps the video existing itself, due to the way posts on this website are received and perceived and understood. Of course, the letter itself raises many tainas against the you know, it's a talacha phenomenon itself. But the choice to respond and the way, and the re- way the response was written, uh, I imagine, is related more to that particular website. Uh, obviously, point, to point out the obvious, that the woman in the video is not active here in the community, doesn't live here, lives in Neretz Israel, so it's not even a direct reaction or response to something going on here. Said the website is the local thing, not the not the woman. But word has it that there are other women or other members of the community that are also have been taking an interest in this phenomenon and this possibility. People in the community that want to pursue it, people in the community that would want others to pursue it, or perhaps even some that are already on track to whatever degree in, in pursuing this. So just by way of background as to what we're talking about, where we're coming from. So now, with this letter being released, I wasn't sure whether I should drop the topic and not talk about it, or maybe Adrava. Now there's even more discussion and even a bigger storm relating to the topic. So, uh, as such, it's worthy of discussion and an orderly Masudurdik uh, discussion. So, clearly, I'm standing here. My maskana was that uh, I'll try to provide a certain overview of this topic, but I just want to emphasize that this is not a response against the letter or intervening between the website and the Rabbanim, and uh, 
certainly hope that it doesn't uh, get posted that way, etc. That's not the idea. But this is just to provide a clearer framework for those that are interested in or are wondering how to approach the topic, what's going on in this topic, and the sugya, and this halacha, to understand the various sides, and that's Tarka Shaltaira. Uh, meanwhile, as far as I know, there are no links between the kail or the hanhala of the kail to anything relating to this. We still, uh, I don't, uh, as of today, we haven't received any applications from any rabbitsons who want to join the kail. So, this is all, you could say, which is always what a part of learning in Kailal is about. And of course, this is gonna, I'm going to try to cram a lot into this discussion, and which means essentially that we're never going to really get too in-depth into any of the things we cover, but we're going to try to cover as much as possible with the time that we have. So first of all, what is... Let's first define what a Yuetzer Halacha is, because I've seen there's some confusion. People get confused with other similar phenomena. So Yuetzer Halacha is a term that was invented recently within the modern Orthodox Dati community here in America, there in Israel. And specifically within that community, it seems perhaps the more liberal wing of the Dati community. Now, Yuetzer actually have a website by that name. And we can let them describe it in their own words. So, Nishmat is the umbrella organization. The Center for Advanced Torah Study for Women is the organization that pioneered the education and certification of Yotzot Halacha, translated as Women Consultants in Jewish Law. So, in Yerushalayim, you have the Karen Ariel Yotzot Halacha Fellows Program under the direction of a certain rabbi. Uh, here in America as well, there's a program, a corresponding program led by Rabbi Kenneth Alman. And they said more than 110 certified Yotot Halacha serve Jewish women and couples throughout the world to date. And that's, where, what, that's what they're up to. Nishmat was established in 1990 as generally a, a program for women to learn Halacha on a higher level. In 1997, they launched the Yotot program. Uh, uh, under the leadership of Rabbi Yehuda Herzl Henkin, Yehuda Herzl Henkin, for those who may be familiar, there's a Shut Bnei Bonim, Paisik uh, within the modern Orthodox world. I got happen to have his Chuvas at home. They're fairly well known. He's uh, since passed away, but this, he was involved. He and his wife, as we shall see, are the, the leaders of this organization. And the concept is that the women are certified by a panel of Orthodox rabbis to be a resource for women with questions regarding Taras HaMeshvacha. Uh, it, was, it came up with this concept to assist women who are more comfortable discussing very personal issues with another woman. And the program consists of devoting two years, over a thousand hours, to intensive study with rabbinic authorities in Taras HaMeshvacha, in addition to training from experts in medicine, psychology, etc., uh, you can find more information. There's an article written by Rabbi Henkin's uh, wife, uh, Rabbanit Chana Henkin. You can see her full title on the website and her background. But she wrote in 2013, she wrote an article for the New York Jewish Week, an opinion piece. And as of 2013, she was uh, announcing that the first five U.S. educated Yoatzot Halacha were celebrating the graduation. So it started in 97 in Israel. took a while until it uh, began here. And as of 2013, you had the first graduates. As of then, that brought the total to 85. Like we saw earlier, at this point, it's 110. She writes a bit about, you know, what is this? What's this about? Um... The understanding that in the absence of a properly trained, rabbinically sanctioned uh, female address, many women's halachic and halachic medical questions were not being asked. Women just make their own decisions. In slightly more than a decade, we've already received 200,000 documented questions to our telephone hotline and to our websites, as well as through the Yotzot that are employed by certain modern Orthodox synagogues and communities. And she says it's gone mainstream. At our 10th anniversary, we had some very hush of Rabbanim, obviously within their circle, who were participating. She writes that uh, for two years, they studied the identical rigorous halacha curriculum as a nishmat in Israel, the same curriculum in the laws of Nida as advanced Kolosto students study in Israel, plus the women's health curriculum, etc. That's 
various words how she describes what this is about. And she emphasizes, even though this is a big change, but they're also not looking to replace the traditional role of the rabbi. They don't seek to be called clergy. Uh, they're working together with the rabbis, and uh, for original halacha rulings, for actual psak, they consult with higher authorities. And she says, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, who was a big name, a big Rosh Hashiva in the modern Orthodox world in Eretz Yisrael, um, said that the, the term yoetzet halacha is indeed a very good term. Um, well, he said it's intentionally understated, and it actually doesn't even speak to how much they're accomplishing. Um, so, you know, the change in a good way, but without trying to make it sound like it's that major a change, trying to walk the line there somewhere in the middle. Interestingly, uh, on their website, they have uh, an article by Rabbanit Yoetzet Halacha Michal Ranas, who uh, writes at great length, this whole article, the Yoetzet Halacha, avoiding conflict when instituting change. And apparently, she, uh, part of her biography is that she studied conflict management, negotiation. So she writes this whole article about the, the phenomenon of Yoetzet Halacha through the lens of conflict resolution and explaining how you're able to bring such a change which can be identified with feminism and feminism is usually considered very threatening even within the modern orthodox community and there have been other feminist pushes for you know, minyanim and things like that that have been received very negatively so trying to explain how and why was received differently and it's the way they do it and the way it's been accepted and etc. at some length we don't have time to uh, go through all of it. We don't have time for the rest of what we have to say either. But uh, just to point out, everyone ultimately lives inside their own bubble. So all of these uh, articles and statements about how they have this agreement, you know, support and agreement, uh, and everyone's on board, ultimately though, we're still talking about it within a very specific subset of the modern orthodox T. World and there are even more right-wing conservative in the right-wing sense elements within that community that are still opposed to this whole phenomenon. And this is not the time and place to get into mapping the different uh, sub-communities within that world. As far as I know, this is not necessarily a phenomenon that's really growing and spreading beyond that very specific community where it's become accepted. Certainly not within the world that we call Haredi. And of course the term Haredi itself can mean different things, but in this context they mean any community that defines itself as being more than modern Orthodox. Now of course Chabad, as always, is always uh, doing its own thing in its own lane. And what we're seeing now, or we're seeing lately, is that there is some interest being taken by certain women within our community in this program, in this phenomena. We don't have the time either to get into defining what Chabad, uh, what the Chabad community is and how it ticks and how it operates, but generally we could say that in the positive sense, Dafka Chabad has an extra kach excitement in spreading and b'machazik taras ha and Dafka Chabad <coughs> has a certain emphasis on empowering women, to use the term in vogue today, according to the, the Rebbe's teachings. Perhaps also in the more negative sense, uh, Chabad is open to all kinds of influences from outside. The community itself is, uh, in a sense, kind of divided. You have a big range of people who lean almost uh, Satmer-like in the, their character towards the other opposite end of the spectrum, where you have the elements, parts of the community that do seem very similar to the modern Orthodox so at any given moment, you have those that are pushing to make Chabad more Haredi, you have those pushing Chabad in the opposite direction. So that's just a bit of the social context to what's happening here. But it's not surprising, based on all of the above, that there would be women in Chabad that might take an interest, either for the first, more positive reason, or for the second reason. But as far as we can tell, this is all happening rather spontaneously. There's no organized effort, there's no formal official support from any Chabad entity. And they're all essentially, those who are interested are, will have to go to that Dati program. They're going outside the Chabad uh, community to that uh, Moisid. And it's also not surprising that people would react negatively to that within Chabad. And it's also not surprising that many people in the middle might not be sure how to think about it. So with all of that in mind, 
and that's all in distinction from uh, Boitkes and all the other things that our Kala teachers, etc., that of course are uh, very much familiar with Chabad. So that is the very specific program that we're talking about here. Right? So we said, studying two years on a Kaila level to be able to have more authority and to be the dress for women to replace Rabbanim in a certain sense, but not to replace the Rabbanim all the way. That's, what, that's how they're describing it. So now let's talk a bit about the uh, issues at hand, halacha, etc. So we come, when we want to approach the topic of women who are in halacha, in order to be able to paskin or teach other women, teach, teach halacha, to be an address for halacha questions. So we have to identify what the, what the issues in halacha are. What would the possible sugyas be? Beyond that, there might be other questions of how do we feel about feminism, how do we feel about change, and we'll try to touch on everything. But let's start with the actual halacha, the relevant halachas. So I would say that there are three major topics here. Women learning Torah b'chlal, women having a surara, having some kind of position within the community, and whether women are able ladun, to to be a rav, to paskin, obviously the, some of these words might have very specific meanings and there might be other terms that mean slightly different things. But can women be, uh, can, can women paskin, let's just say for now. Let's start with the first question, which is can, what's the story with women and learning Torah? So there's a very, very famous Mishnah and Saita Peregimel about the, if the Saita has a schos, the schos might be toila for Shanaacha, Speishan, Gimel Shanam. Benazah says, you're obligated to teach your daughter Torah, just like a father has a chiv to teach his son. So similarly, to teach his daughter. So if she drinks, if she is, a, if she, apparently if she was nichshel, and she is drinking, and she's taking that risk, and nothing happens, she should know that, oh, it's not, oh, okay, the whole thing didn't work. She should know that it's all just because of the schos. That's the reason Benazah says, you know, Rebeleza responds, famous statement, You're teaching her Torah, you're teaching her Tiflos, Tiflos didn't look for a precise translation, but it just means it's no good, it's not, uh, not what you want to be teaching anyone. And then Yubishua adds, writes the Isha, the Kav, the Tiflos uses the same word, a woman would prefer just to have one Kav with Tiflos, mitas Kaban, and to have nine Kav and have uh, abundance with Prishos. And then he goes on to say, okay, Interesting Mishnah. So there's a Gemara, the Gemara says, Tiflos Rashi says, You're calling Taita Tiflos? How can you say Taita is Tiflos? Taita is Taita, not Tiflos. So Zakta Gemara, Eleema Ki'ilu Limda, Limda Malamda Tiflos. Zakta Rashi, Shemi Taicha Himavina Armunis, Vaisa Dvara Behatsneam. I'll get back to what Rashi's saying. And then the Rabbo says, what's Rebelezer's reason? It says in Mishle, Ani Chachma Shachanti Arma, Chachma Taira brings Armumis. Then the Gemara says, what about Rabbanon? What do they do with that Pasuk? They explain the Pasuk differently. <laughs> then Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Reit Isha Bekav Vetiflos, Micah Amar, Zach the Gemara, Reit Isha Bekav Vetiflos, Imoi, Zach she rather have little support, financial support, Mazaynas Muatin, as long as she has a lot of tiflus, as Rashi defined it. And rather, she'd rather have that, mitishas she'd rather that than be given abundance, but then have to be, have to live her life mitishas. And Rashi fears us, lafichach ein toiv, shetil So Rashi is saying, this is, what's the hemshech? This is coming to explain that tiflus is somehow related to this tiflus, and that's why she shouldn't learn toiv. The Taisa was there. Taisa was there. Also quotes the Yushalmi. Yushalmi famously also discusses this and adds a few more exciting statements. B'shem Rabbeleizer, Rabbeleizer, the the same Bala Memra, that the Matroina, one of the Roman matrons, hush of a woman, uh, asked her, or perhaps even it was a Jewish uh, matron, asked Rabbeleizer, uh, "Shail about the Chet Egel." So he answered. Instead of answering the question, he said, "Ain Isha Chachama." Or ain't chachmal isha quoted different ways. Ella bepelach. The only wisdom that's for a woman is the spindle. Go do womanly uh, homemaking work. That's what. Uh, that's the wisdom that. That's for you. Not answering your question. 
very sharp, very uh, rude, you could say. That's what he said. So Lezer's son Horkina said, you didn't want to tell her one vart and taira, but uh, now you know harm and damage you caused me. Uh, it's caused me a large hazak. So Abelazer said, Better should be burned rather than given to the woman. So, in addition to the come along with the Torah, the Tiflos, and now we have in all of these very stark statements. So, we need to understand two things. Number one, What's the Gemara actually saying? What's Takab Shah? What are Chacham trying to say? Especially the negative parts that are the famous parts. And secondly, what do we actually take away, Allah Chalamaisa, from all of this? Especially since there are different opinions within the Gemara itself. So to understand this, my opinion, Pashup Shat, it's clear, even though nowadays there's, of course, a. Uh, uh, very much uh, strong desire to reinterpret everything and to emphasize other things but if you want to learn Pshan and Gemara uh, straight uh, the, exp- the opinion being expressed in the Gemara at least the opinion of those who are expressing this negative opinion is that women as a rule as a whole are not learning material they are not material they're not uh, worthy of Serious, advanced learning. And this is not, uh, this wouldn't be completely uh, an aberration. This is obviously pretty much the consensus across the whole entire world, across all cultures, or at least most uh, known cultures, uh, up until, including the West, the Western society, literally up until the last few generations, or even in certain ways, in a certain sense, up until this generation, which you'll see if you follow. Uh, you know, the culture wars and the discussion that goes on in the world at large, there's always this uh, inborn uh, attitude among many men that women are not uh, serious contenders for serious learning. And what's Rashi saying? Or what, what's Ra- more specifically, what's Rashi saying? Ken Garzan could be women do have the talent, do have the capabilities to actually engage in the learning. So what's Rashi saying? What's Rashi emphasizing? Rashi is saying that the women do not have the requisite, sufficient Kabbalah soil, seriousness, a serious attitude towards wanting to mekayim Torah mitzvahs properly, which is necessary to learn lulmein almanas, lekayim. But instead, the chazaka is that they're always looking for ways out, looking for shortcuts, looking for... Uh, tricks to get around having to keep Torah mitzvahs, including Mamish Avedis, if they could only find a way to get away with it. And that's what Rashi means when he says, Instead of learning Torah and learning what not to do, what's taka often forbidden, it all comes from an attitude and a desire to just outsmart the system, to be over on different Torah and, 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 and get away with it and not get caught. So as long as we, uh, we prevent them, we don't uh, allow them to learn, so they remain optimistic. They don't know how to get away with anything. Once they learn the ins and outs of how Allah works, so it's all just being exploited to do the wrong thing. And that's what, and that's the continuation of Rashi. How, how Rabbi Shua fits in? Rabbi Shua came to to elaborate and illustrate this point. All women want is tiflos, tashash mitzuyela, etc. And she rather that even bekav mitishas kabunu prishas lefichach ein toif shetol meteira. Because her mind is always set, and just how can I get more of that out of life? So whatever Torah you teach her is just going to be taken to be exploited for that purpose. So okay, that's what Rashi's saying. I'm not going to try to uh, sugarcoat it. That's what it says. And this is not just one Maimer Chazal. But this is, we can see uh, ideas along this line in numerous other places. Of course, that's not to say that Chazal are not more complex, and there are different opinions, and there are different statements, and there are other things you can certainly emphasize as well, but this is certainly a very present assumption underlying many Mamorim and Chazal. So for example, Pesach, Pesach is coming, we find the famous cloud, that Nashim Atzlan Yasein. 
Rada, we just printed a shura last week, and uh, the Rebbe uses that line more in the borrowed sense, so let's not, uh, not going to make a whole task out of it, the Rebbe, but the Rebbe uses those words to make a certain point. Nashim HaTzalani Yasein's mentioned in Yerushalmi, and Taisus himself in Davdali, Lamed Beis, uh, cited to explain the Gemara, the Sugi and the Bavli. The Sugi and the Bavli is saying, no, are they Nehmon to say they cleaned out the Chomets or not? The Gemara says, it's because it's their Abbanon, so therefore we trust them. For Ektaisvis, don't we trust uh, women for anything that's Negev and Kashros, Nehmonos? Don't they have Nehmonos for everything? Is anything that they're capable of doing themselves? Biodom, they can do it. So Taisvis, no, the feed the Sugya and the feed Bavni Rishami, Gabikas Khamits, even though they're capable of doing it. But if I would have made Raisa, we wouldn't trust them. We shouldn't the Ikka Tircha Yaserta, the Tsarakh Dikta Godal, cleaning for Khamits, checking for Khamits, requires a very high degree of, of work, of painstaking attention. Yishami says that women are lazy, women are not interested in putting in the effort. So they're looking for shortcuts. So if you ask them, did you clean? They'll clean, maybe superficially, and they'll lie, and they'll say that they cleaned, and you can't trust them. It goes on to say, but then there's another area, Tchumen is something where you trust women, but we don't trust children. So this is a very similar related point, that we're saying that women don't seek to do the correct thing in the best possible way, they always seem to be looking to get out of it, and they're willing to be lazy and lie, etc. And that's takawai, you always find Nashim Abad Muktanim always lumped together. It's not just a din at all. These three happen to have much lesser chiyuvim than the men, and that's why we're grouping them together. But no, it's also relating to the mitzvahs, that all three groups are not as responsible, are not as reliable. Each group for its own reasons, right? So, Avadim are a lowly class, so that's their character. Ktanim, we know children behave like children, they're not reliable. And we're putting Nashim in that category. And even today, you read these descriptions, you can envision, you can identify certain people who behave that way, whose, whose attitude sounds like that. But obviously, in today's terminology, we wouldn't probably wouldn't just lump all women together vis-a-vis men. We would say there are certain women, certain men. And just as a Maimar Amosger, um, this example of Nasha Matslani is saying is actually very a good illustration of uh, of these types of Divri Chazal, where over time, you know, the memory remains, but Lav Dafka that we personally identify with the underlying statement, right? Because Famously, the Metzius is, nowadays, and it's probably been that way for a few hundred years, is that there are many, many very fruma women that are very, very machmir and very, very particular and very, very meticulous in halacha, including in being baidik for things that uh, need to be checked. And I highly doubt you'll find Stama, even the most frumim person, if he's not sitting and learning the sugya, if you just ask them out of context, do you think that these women are not to be trusted in Zahiros uh, and Amonos? I don't think anyone would say that. So look at this, take this uh, halacha for example, and I'm just copying it, Bekitzer, from uh, somewhere, somewhere where it's been written about. There's uh, so much here that we have to condense. But uh, the shayla is, what about another Nyanei Kashrus, where the checking, checking for bugs, these are things that require a lot of uh, checking as well, a lot of work, a lot of effort, it's very tedious. So the marshal said, based on the Yushalmi, that wherever the dovers awesome or and it has a tircha, women are never naman, we have to apply the rule across the board. So kidneys, checking kidneys, checking small fish, but the shach and simon pay dalid, quotes the Ramah and Tayyas al who said the minig is not like the marshal, also writes that the Iker is like the Shach, Shimon Hagam, she is not a she is not a Tayyar, 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 and this is the quotes to Arachashokhan, 
lower class group of people, so they were also talk of the type in which you could identify this, this tendency to try to you know, cut corners, shortcuts. But otherwise, Stam Tzadik Yigrein Oelam, Stam Nishasem Akshayrus, certainly, and even in B'dikas Chometz, quotes of Moshe Sternbuch, nowadays, he writes, that even in B'dikas Chometz today, the reality is different. Menashem Tzadkanias, Menakis, Hetev Lufnei Abedika, V'tarches B'mitzvah, Harbe Yeser Me'achiv Me'adin. And therefore, there'll be no problem asking a woman to go take care of a B'dikas Chometz. So here you see how Shalmi the Bavli, Taisvis, quoting a certain statement, a certain observation about, about women, and yet we see that the Betsias, uh, we stopped identifying with that statement, and even the Halacha seems to essentially have uh, moved along with that. And really, even in Yerushalmi itself, I saw another article, another essay someone wrote, that even as Manor Yishayinim, we find that there were those who read the Yerushalmi completely differently. Try to be Makatsu here, but he says the Chachamim province, so the Balamor and the Me'iri, etc., they mamish flip the Yerushalmi on its head, and they say, there's nothing else they're going to do, so therefore they do a very good badika. That's how they touch it into the Yishalmi. When that sentence, that phrase was being stated in the Yishalmi, the Yishalmi was making the opposite point. They're not Shemar Tzlanius in a good way. They have nothing else to do, and this is the, they give it their all. And this is how they were paskening Lalacha in province. So it's interesting to see how uh, already we showed him in the Yishalmi itself, Mamash read it the other way around. Now, Rechashlochan also, the Gabi Chomet says, Medaktikus Yosem Ayanosh. That article, by the way, goes on to say that there's another interesting thing that we see that there's the whole idea of Haseba for Noshim. The Gemara mentions Isha Chashuva, but the Gemara doesn't really discuss it more. A lot of Yishayim don't discuss it. It's only the Chachme province get into this whole topic of Isha Chashuva and they apply it to contemporary times. So perhaps that shows us that the Darton province at that time they were already looking uh, differently at the whole uh, status of women. Anyway, so this is a microcosm of how we talk about and think about, discuss the halachic status of women uh, throughout the generations. So that was all Rashi. Rashi said that the word is, why are they not cut out for learning? They're, they're pursuing Tiflos. The Rambam in his Pirush and Saita, he says, Havelud Varn Betelem, and Elaborates a bit more in Hilchas Tamatayda Parak Aleph. Shereiv Anoshim ain't daitem uchuvenes leislamid. They may see and divrei teila divrei havai lefi anias daitem. They push it. They can't learn straight, and they just they get it all wrong and backwards, and it's just uh, silly and a waste of time. So it sounds like he's saying it's more a lack of ability, lack of kishreinus, and that was also certainly a common uh, belief about women throughout uh, hundreds and thousands of years. That's what's going on in that sugi. That was what's the sugi saying. Now, the second question is, what do we take away from this halacha l'maysa? There's a few opinions here. The Gemara even said, sounds like Chazal are saying that there's a Rabbanon against Rabbi Leazar. Rabbi Leazar is Das Yachid. The Rabbanon disagree, perhaps. Even Rabbi Leazar never said the word Asr. He just said these very harsh uh, terms. So you look at the Ramam, the Ramam writes, the Ramam writes, the Ramam writes, the Ramam writes, but if he taught it, it's not like Tiflos. From there, you find this halacha l'maysa in Torah. So clearly, one thing we see is that Rabbi Eliezer's statement is taken as the main point out of the sugya. There's also this wording, this language, tzivu yilamit. But on the other hand, it's all still phrased towards whether the father has a chiyuv, or whether the father has the opposite, a tzivu inatu, which fits very nicely into Chastamatera, which is structured around the obligation of the father. But the question we're discussing right now isn't really about what the father's obligations or responsibilities are. We're asking about women who want to learn on their own. What should the reaction, what should the response be to that? So the way I would define it, the way I would put it is that it's clear that the general understanding throughout the generations was that women are not shy of Talmud Torah, 
um, and it would not be a positive development, rather the opposite. And especially 200 years, around 200 years ago, when Haskalah started and things like that started, I imagine that if you asked a random Haredi uh, Rav, what, what do you think about women in Talmud Torah? And uh, for that, if you're asking, it's probably because you're talking about a more general policy, not just for individuals. I would imagine that most of them would just say, ah, Tiflus, Aser. And I probably still can find that Papel Mamish within more Chassidosh Kreisen today, that will probably be the reaction. But if you look very clearly, carefully, closely at these Mekairis, and you also look at the Metzias over, over the generations, you'll see that there's actually no direct, uh, no direct Tisyachsus here to the question of what about a woman who independently feels that she's able to learn Maybe ultimately it's really mashma fakar that any woman at the end of the day can decide for herself on her own whether to learn if she wants to, and that's like as I said, we'll see also from the history. And I would add that that even within the Gemara itself, Mulakhathila it was never essentially stated as an Isr. Um Bahaktim that uh, when it comes to these types of questions today, especially the modern Orthodox crowd, those that are trying to bring change to Torah, to so they always get stuck on this issue, which is, you can always find a mocker support you. What, you want women to put on tefillin? I can find the mocker, I can create a, I can take all the makaris and arrange them in, in a very uh, nice presentation where the maskan will be, the women can put on tefillin. So why are you telling me who's deciding that it's not okay? There, it's not like it says in the Torah, uh, women shouldn't put on tefillin. Uh, so we can take the Makaris whichever way we want. So we, what's the response? Paiskim have larger considerations, not just uh, plucking, uh, anyone can pluck a Gemara out of the air. You have to have the perspective, you have to have the considerations. Sometimes they can see that certain changes will lead to harm, to, to Yiddishkeit. And today it gets all kinds of words like Hashkafa and Dastaira. And then the people, the people that are pushing for change say, I don't know what you're talking about. What is this Hashkaf? What is this Hashkaf? Where does it come from? Did you just make it up? What's going on? That's uh, the kind of discussion, the kind of discourse you see. But uh, it's, not like, it's not like the Haredi community suddenly invented this uh, 50 years ago. If you look, you'll see that really these types of considerations are always part of the discussion from Chazal till today open any tshuva and shalosh tshuvas, and I would say part of the consideration is always, how will it play out? How does it affect Yiddishkeit? Um, and that's how all questions by all paiskim, that are takim, muflogim, betayrav, yirashimayim, and obviously that's how, that's how they approach every question. It's, just, it's built into every discussion. It doesn't necessarily have a, a special name, a fancy name, but that's always part of it. Obviously, it doesn't mean that all Paiskim agree. Everyone takes it slightly differently and takes it in a slightly different direction. And it could be that the Haredi world has taken it a little bit more to an extreme, and possibly rightfully so, in response to the extreme changes in the world around us. Maybe they're making it sound a little bit more extreme. But the Musik exists. The Musik is always there. So when you look at this Gemara, you can say that the, the Gemara itself is acknowledging the Chathila, that you can't really say that there's an Isser for women to learn. Why would there be an Isser? Chazal themselves are essentially giving a bit of a social, societal explanation. That why should a woman learn Torah? Because it's like Tiflis. Lemaisa, we see, based on how Chazal observe and uh, define women's character, we see that the results won't be good. So if we see the results won't be good, Chazal are telling you that uh, they see, they, the way they see it, it shouldn't be done. And how Gufa is still only addressed at the parents, and that's where it says Tzivu Chachamim, but that's really where it ends, and there really was never any Isser, even within Chazal itself. Obviously, if Chazal say this is going to harm you, the Shkaitz, that was what the Ramam put in the Rambam and Shulchan Aruch, put in the Shulchan Aruch. Parents talk, didn't teach their daughters Torah. But it doesn't mean that at the root of everything that there's really an issue here, there's a concern about what the effects will be if we suddenly uh, bring Torah on that scale to the women. And I would therefore say that that actually can explain why there's been such a huge change in certain parts, certain aspects of Dumnatari for women in the last 100 years. Because really there is space. Chazal and Shulchan Aruch, etc., they left space for change if 
Paiskim decide that it's necessary. Right? Until 100 years ago, when Beis Yaakov was uh, invented in response to the challenges of the time, until then, everyone would have screamed, Osir, Osir. And they would have taken the Makairis in that direction. And by the way, even after Beis Yaakov started, there were plenty of Rebbes in Poland that were still saying, it's Osir, it's Osir, they didn't allow it in their shtat, in their shtat. So how, how, could, how, does, how does something Taka suddenly become Mutter? What's Taka the Pshat? But if you say that really, it's not a Isser Gum or Isser Bar, we're leaving some space, it's not Osir Ba'atzim. And if the considerations change, so, for example, in this case, you can still hold that what Chazal said, the Tiflos, the Rashi, you can still accept that 100%. But if you calculate, if Pais can calculate that the harm to Yiddishkeit of women not learning at this point will outweigh the harm of women learning, so that's enough to say, you know what, at this point, we can shift in that direction. If we as Pais can come together and decide that. And that's the kind of wording you talk to see among the Gedalim and even the Rebbe when they talk about the Shail of how suddenly things changed. That's all, again, that's all talking by Yaakov is just an example of a more general policy where even there we see there was room for change when Paiskim and Chachme Adar came together. But when it comes to individuals, if a woman wants to pursue learning on her own, it seems like there never truly was anything stopping a woman. Obviously there's lots of uh, societal pressure and uh, you're born into a system that works a certain way. So the odds are that you're not going to overcome those uh, the things that are there to stop you. But strictly speaking, if a woman wanted to open a Gemara, or open a Torah, Shulchan Aruch, strictly speaking, there isn't really anything there to stop someone who has the ability and the desire and the drive, etc. And that explains the, the phenomenon we've seen throughout all the generations, starting from Breuer in the time of Chazal, where it just goes without comment that there's a Breuer, and all the very... Uh, you know, admittedly very few examples but there, you know, there are a few famous examples that always get cited on the list of women throughout the generations and by the way there were always other women that were not as famous that didn't necessarily make all the lists and those who know, know um, and in fact you, it's not just my dear hair you do in fact, in fact find made in Shulis time of uh, the point woman wants to learn uh, Father won't teach her. She wants to learn. No one's stopping her. Um, there's uh, Shmuel Arkevolti. Tzmima made it very famous. Shmuel Arkevolti. It's an interesting marker. It's not like a regular halachic tshuva, uh, which it really deserves its own discussion, but we don't have the time. We're going over time here. And just give me a few more minutes to try to land this uh, discussion. But the Shmuel Arkevolti, already a few hundred years ago in Italy, made this point. He said, if a woman is, uh, de- is determined and wants to pursue it, then we should encourage her. And more recently as well, you have different achreinim uh, that say, oh, looks like, seems like, it's all about, uh, even from the Rambam, the Rambam said, oh, a father can't teach, if a woman learns, she gets, so it sounds like, it's up to the woman ultimately, as to what she wants to do. And my point is, that's not just, oh, uh, and how to learn the Mekairis. This actually is a reflection of the halachic reality over time. And we can also tie it into, uh, you know, Western society versus Eastern society. It seems like there were Noshim Lamdanius and Ashkenaz already many hundreds of years ago, and that might have something to do with the fact that women in Europe were a much greater part of society compared to in the East, where things were, you know, continued on more in the ancient way of doing things. Uh, we don't have time to get into all of that, but much like you see this with Atzlonius, that uh, in Ashkenaz, all the Makaritists a few hundred years ago started saying, wait a second, we're looking at the Noshim, they're not Atzlonius anymore. So now to just get to Chabad. Where does Chabad come into this? What's the Rebbe in Chabad? Right? So it's complex and it's uh, you know, somewhat more advanced, you could say, than other from communities, but it's still complex. And like I said, we don't have time, we don't have time at all. So first of all, the Marshal just Lahar from Sefer HaZachreinus, the Fidig Rebbe writes his whole in Sefer HaZachreinus, and part of the themes, one of the themes of Sefer HaZachreinus is about Nashem Lamdonius a few hundred years ago. And I believe even in one of the stories, there's an example where she actually Haskins, quote-unquote, they had a Shaila, what should we do? And she was a Lamdanist, and she said, oh, the Allah is kach v'kach, on the spot, she was the one who knew what the Allah was. So it's just interesting, and that's the story the Fidig Rebbe puts there. Um, what the Rebbe Shita is, I, I would say it's you know, more complex than just saying, oh, women, it's all different now. There, I saw there's definitely a sikha I've quoted elsewhere before, where the Rebbe says that if it was up to us, we would shut down all the Beis Yaakovs, and the girls would stay home, and call Kvot Basmelech Pnimah, 
just some things, you know, the cat's out of the bag, some things you can't change. So the Rebbe's uh, position is definitely more complex and nuanced than just saying that, uh, you know, free for all. But on the other hand, there's a strong tie of the Rebbe raised, conversation with the Belzer Rebbe, there's a special sikha from Emor Tafshinon about women learning Gemara, where the Rebbe says that women are, again, due to society around us, just like women in Europe 200 years ago had advanced in society to a certain extent. Women today obviously have advanced uh, many, many times over and we're reacting to that. And women today, let's say in high school, they're studying on a high school level and they're learning on a level. The Lemudekaydash has to be brought in line with the, the same standard as the Lemudekhayl. So I'm not saying the Rebbe took it even further, but perhaps one could take it further and say, okay, now at this point, there are women who are doctors, there are women who are scientists, even within our community, there are women who are, uh, they have expertise within their area of specialty. So now you're going to come and tell me that, oh, but when it comes to Hilchus no, she should only learn Hilchus and know it on the level of a 17-year-old. Hard to say that. So if a woman, Utaka, has pursued... Now, again, we don't necessarily encourage it as a first choice, but if a woman's already at that stage where she has studied uh, the medicine on, uh, on an academic level, she studied this and that and the other thing, and now she's, she feels and she says, wait, wait, wait a second, uh, why should I learn Hilchas Nida on a Kyle level? Who's to say that uh, we have any, who are mamish? You could see they were intermixing into their husband's conversation. You see them quoted in Svarim from around that time. The Imi Harabonis, Omra, this, that. They were mamish. They were mamish moving into male territory, and you don't see that much push. But we know the Magen of Rome but pushes back against the Prisha, but. For among many, many Rabbanim, you see that if the woman has already gotten to that point, we'll listen to what she has to say. We're not, uh, we're not shutting anyone down. And the, the Chidot also in the Shem Agdoilim, he has an Erech of Rabbanis. He has an in, among all the Gdoilim, Shem Agdoilim is to help you make a Seder, and all the Rabbanim that are quoted in Svarim, he has an Erech for Rabbanis, and he lists all the women that are wherever quoted in Svarim. So, from the Chidot's perspective, to him it looks like Pepshitos, if the woman has the capabilities, Who's to say she can't paskin? Now, of course, when we say paskin, paskin itself is a very confusing word. There are many, many levels in day-to-day. When you have a shayla as to what to do, there are shaylas where it's just a matter of opening the shulchan aruch, and it's obvious. There's a shayla where you have to open a few more svarim, and then it's obvious. There's a shayla where there's five different opinions among paiskim today. No one opinion is necessarily more ungenomen. No one will be offended if you open bottles on Shabbos. You don't open bottles on Shabbos. There's different levels. Then there are things where if you do something different than everyone else, people will get nervous. There are many, many levels. Then there are completely new questions where no one really knows what the answer is yet. Someone who has taka, more you know, original kayak of psak is needed. We spoke a bit earlier, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, hey Tevis, about the psak and svarim. But you see that this, there's this idea where uh, no one's passing. The svarim already say, already have the information. You're just uh, a vehicle to, to transmit what the svarim say. So you know, we say paskening, it can just, when you say women are paskening, it sounds very extreme. But what paskening are we actually talking about? There's a huge, huge, huge range of things here. And uh, it's, obviously, to know the Metsias, I don't know the Metsias of every Yoetzet and what she's saying and what she's doing. But just the, in theory, in principle, can a woman tell other women what the Allah is, either based on Tarek Allah or based on slightly more advanced knowledge, etc., etc.? Why not? But like we said earlier, in addition to halacha, there's always other considerations that Paiskim have, that Rabbanim have, which is an Indian in halacha itself. So even if there's technically, strictly nothing wrong with it, if Chashev and Rabbanim come and see a threat, they see a problem, they feel like it's undermining Yiddishkeit, it's absolutely their right to, uh, to warn about it, to express their feelings about it, and it's important to listen to what those Rabbanim say. And I don't have the time to get into the specific arguments raised in that letter and will it, uh, what effect is it having, will it have on women if they can talk to other women. But uh, Lahar, that in Nida itself, in the letter he mentions the marker that says, oh, women, Paskinik. But really there's a lot more, there are many more Makaitis even regarding Nida itself. Uh, I spoke about it a bit last year when it comes to Maris, that you have Paiskim and Sefakarit, that this is Dafkin Indian that uh, women know about, because this is their halacha, it's what they know. And Dafkin, because Maris has now gotten so complicated, that now there's more of a tenuah to say, well, women can't Paskin Maris if it's, and the Yod themselves, until today it seems, 
are told that they cannot paskin in Mars. Again, what they're actually doing in reality and what effect it's having on Yiddishkeit, I don't know, that's for the Rabbanim to decide. But even within Nida itself, there's a lot more to discuss as to what's the tchum of women or not. So what way I would, to, to conclude, the way I would be magder is, is that this is not something that we want to encourage, that we want to, we're not trying to bring change to our community. And, and that's a big distinction that we have from the modern Orthodox. And even, I can understand, it's the letter of the Rabbanim is essentially saying that posting it on your website is a form of encouragement. It looks like there's an agenda. Someone has an agenda here. So if there's an agenda, we understand that there's a problem. But if the woman on her own reached a certain level, and let's say we didn't call it, take, take away the name, take away the title, take away the program, take away all of the bells and whistles. The woman knows uh, the halachas. Seemingly, the precedent from throughout the generations is that uh, we do respect knowledge. Knowledge is knowledge. You can't deny it and say, no, you don't know what you know. The woman knows, the woman knows it, she knows it. And there are examples of Rebetzins that would paskin to one extent or another uh, alongside their husbands, etc., of course, if the Rabbanim have a problem with individual people, say, so, you know, this person shouldn't be paskin because he's a kal, uh, kal das. And this, and this woman, they want to go one by one by one and pass all of them on an individual basis. I suppose they can do that. I'm not sure how sustainable that is over the long term. Um, so yeah, it probably was a mistake, even going back to the video, probably was a mistake for her to use that term. Why use that term? Why use that title? It's an invented title. Uh, but on the other hand, even within our community, the college teachers, etc., without the fancy titles, probably are also increasingly more involved in women's lives and are doing similar things without the title. So it's not clear to me if the Rabbanim really have a problem in principle with women talking to other women, or they have a problem with the packaging and how it's being presented and who's presenting it, etc. Now, of course, there's much more to say. Uh, we crammed, managed to cram in whatever we were able to with the time that we had. We went way over time. Appreciate your uh, patience, and uh, we can, like I said, there's a lot, a lot of aspects here within the, the letter of the Rabbanim itself uh, that we did touch on. There's probably more that we didn't touch on, but I hope I gave some expression to the issues at hand here in a beneficial way. Good chance.